Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Career Services Assistant Director Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show is... Hello, I am Jacob Wood. I'm the executive assistant to the president as well as the administrative coordinator to student affairs. Welcome, Welcome. Jacob. Yes. Thanks for having me. This is great. (laughs) All right. So that's kind of a long title or multiple titles. Please just kind of expound on that. (laughs) Everything's kind of wrapped up into one this year. So my normal title, I should say, is the administrative coordinator for student affairs. So I handle a lot of the day-to-day calendar work for Dr. Baker and the student affairs team, um, handle a lot of the media and communications. Um, I create the newsletter for student affairs and their division, um, do a lot of communication with students and parents and oversee the pay it forward fund as well as the food pantry. Um, So a lot of things kind of intertwined in that role. And then new and exciting this year, um, just started in the middle of July was the executive assistant to the president. Now that Dr. Green has taken over as the interim president, I was asked to interview for that and did and accepted that role. So now, yeah, doing two jobs at once, which is always exciting, but it's been good. The student affairs folks have been really understanding and good about me being away. Thankfully, Dr. Baker also moved to the administration building with me. That's made things a little easier on all of us. He will complain and say, you know, it was the worst thing he's ever done. Um, But in reality, I think he likes being over here. And as both of you probably know, you know, when you've got multiple hats on and you're in two different locations, there's always one location that gets a little more neglected than the other. And so this has been good to have, have him over here. So I'm able to help both of them. But then also the day-to-day operations, just so much nicer having them both over here. Well, let's hop in and just, if you want to tell us where you're from and uh, how you got your your winding journey down this path, that would be awesome. Sure. Yeah. So originally from Lawson, Missouri, which is about 45 minutes north of Kansas City, close to Excelsior Springs and Liberty. Um, It's one of those small towns that everybody's like, where's that at? So you have to put, you know, bigger towns next to it. I graduated from there in spring of 2013 and then came to Northwest fall of 13. Um, I was a mass media student with a multimedia journalism emphasis. Thought I would be a news guy and so did that for a little while. Um, How did you decide to come to Northwest? Did you hear about it? Like what made you decide? So we had some family friends um, that went to Northwest. So Northwest has always been home for us. We were always coming to games, always interacting on campus. And so it was just the perfect fit. I applied and was accepted to Northwest before I ever toured. And so that was a done deal. Actually, I think Travis was my um, person who took over view, if I remember right. So yeah. And you still came. So yeah. That would have been, I think I got accepted in September, I want to say. And I don't think I toured until probably November. And then did all the housing fund stuff and all the prepayments. And so, yeah, Northwest just always was home. It felt like home. Um, It was a little bit bigger than Lawson. We've only got about 2,500 people. But I also wanted to go into the broadcast field and knew that if I went to Mizzou or one of those um, larger schools that I would not have the extent of 
PBL um, as I would at Northwest. And so that was a big pull for me um, to come here because I knew I would be able to get active as soon as I wanted to. And so that was a good thing. It was also a smaller campus, which I really liked. A lot of people knew each other and it just, I don't know, it, you know, when you come onto a campus and it just feels right, that was Northwest for me. Why broadcasting? Like, did you, had you been interested in that as a high school student? My junior year, we started kind of our own TV program at Lawson. And so I was the first news anchor for that program. And so that was kind of fun. And it's just something that always has interested me. Um, I've always enjoyed, I know it sounds geeky and nerdy, but always enjoyed news. It was something different every day. Always, it seemed like those people were always in the know, which I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And just fun and exciting. I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. And so that was one of those that fit that bill. Um, Thought about doing education for a little while. And then, you know, it just something about broadcasting kept tugging at me. So I did a lot of job shadows. Um, I job shadowed all four major um, stations in Kansas City to kind of see what it was like on the day to day. So that was exciting to kind of figure out, yeah, this is something that I want to do. And that really set the tone. I did not change my major one time at Northwest, which is, I know, kind of rare. I stuck through it all four years. And so, yeah, it was just always broadcast for me. So were you involved with the campus TV station when you were here and things like that as well? Yeah, so served on served on KNWT. Um, I was with Channel 8 News. So I did reporting for the first, I want to say, first two years. I don't think I, if I remember right, I didn't start reporting until my spring, the spring of my freshman year, and then did that for a little while, just kind of general assignment reporting um, events here and there, really got involved in the crime beat. um, And so worked with Clarence a lot and the UPD team, as well as branching out to Nottoway County and the Missouri State Highway Patrol, started an annual um, ride along with different agencies. So that was kind of fun. Um, That kind of fueled that adrenaline junkie piece for me. Um, And so that was exciting. Um, But did that for two years. And then my junior year, I um, became producer of Channel 8 News. And so did that for a year. And then my last year, I um, was just an anchor for um, Channel 8 News and finished out my senior year. And then um, I liked Fred Lamer's class so much that I took it twice. Um, And so graduated in the summer of 17 and then moved on to um, KQ2. I did my internship with KQ2 in St. Joe for a little while. Um, I did that, I believe, the summer of my junior year. I worked with KQ2 and then worked with them part-time and then came on part-time for weekends. I did reporting and producing on the weekends and then was asked to come to Cameron, Missouri, um, and I joined the KKWK team, um, which was 100.1, their uh, classic regional radio. And so I was their morning show host. I did that for about three months and decided that, you know, the morning show was not my forte, nor was radio. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. It was a good experience. I'm so glad that I was able to do that, and that team down there was fantastic. Um, they took a chance on a kid that had never done radio before. So that was exciting. And then I came back to Northwest after three short months at KKWK um, and then came on full-time as a hall director for Millican Hall. Um, That would have been the fall of 2017. I started September 11th, 2017. So kind of a weird turn of events there. 
So what, yeah. What, so what decision-making process made you want to then come back and be a hall director? Had you been an RA as a student? So as a student, um, I served two years as an RA. I was an RA in Hudson Perrin. Um, and then I became the assistant complex director my senior year in Hudson Perrin. Um, and there was just something about housing and working with students. And I always said, you know, we got to see them on their very best day and we got to see them on their very worst day working in housing and just seeing that transformation, um, getting invited to their weddings or, you know, seeing that they're um, having kids now. And it's just kind of a fun. It was always a cool environment to be able to see them, um, you know, start as tiny little freshmen and they're nervous and scared and have no idea where things are up until their senior year, just kind of watch them throughout that process. So higher ed was, it was one of those that kind of got my blood after I was here for a little while and thought, yeah, student affairs, I think is something that I want to do. Um, I also served as um, an office assistant for the, at that point it was campus activities. Now it's office student involvement. So I was a front desk worker there for two years um, did that my freshman and sophomore year, and then moved over to student affairs and was their front desk worker my junior and senior year. Um, so always have had connections to student affairs and um, kind of their mission and goal. Um, and it just something that was interesting to me. And on the hall director side, um, I served as the university police liaison um, for our department. And so met with those guys monthly. Um, and kind of gave them updates of our departments, you know, what had been happening in the halls, how are the officers, you know, what, as if you don't know, we deal with some pretty large things that happen in housing, um, whether that's alcohol bus or mental health and suicide ideation. So I think that kind of filled that adrenaline piece for me a little bit more too. And of course, you know, the the underlying theme here is being in the know. And so that was one of those roles, again, that I you know, being in charge of a facility really gave me that opportunity to connect with students, um, be in the know of that facility, um, but then also just to help people. I think that's been my, my number one career goal has always been to help people. And I was able to do that through all of these different roles. Was there anything being hall director that kind of caught you off guard after being an RA? I know that there's similar jobs, but we've had other folks on before who've been hall directors and they, you know, they talked about how it's kind of, it's one of those jobs you don't really know what it is till you do it because it's all encompassing. Yeah, it's similar to working, you know, in the president's office. You have no idea what it is until <laughs> you're in. And so, yeah, that was one of those jobs that I absolutely loved it. And then you also absolutely kind of hate it too. You live where you work, which is a lot of times hard for people to find that balance. It was hard for me, you know, as a first year hall director, you're like, oh, yeah, I want to be around students all the time. And then by the third year, you're like, yeah, eight to five is good. Um, and so figuring out, you know, that balance of, you know, what's my personal life versus my work life. It was kind of weird for me as a hall director because I had just graduated really four months before. And so now I'm supervising these students, you know, we're no longer peers. We're kind of at that super supervisory level. Um, so I think the most surprising for me was that piece and kind of navigating those uncharted waters for me. I've always been a people person, I would say, always connected well with students and people. And so that was hard for me to kind of navigate that into now I'm the one making the decision on their discipline. Um, now I'm the one that's 
making that final call out on a duty call in you know the middle of the night. It's me and the university police officer making that call. So it was kind of getting into the groove and the training of this is your role now that I think was surprising to me. We always said living in the halls was like living in a bubble. Um, it was very rare for students not to see, see you coming and going. Um, you know, when Shelby and I started dating, it was one of those, you know, like I'm a hall director, um, we live on campus. And so that was kind of exciting too, because our students really enjoyed having Shelby around and getting to know her too. But it was also one of those that we knew it was time to move off campus when it was time. And I'd served four years in that role. And so it was time to time to make a change. Those are short span positions, kind of like being a recruiter at Northwest or something like that, pretty short timeline. And so, but I don't regret any minute of working in housing. Um, I enjoyed every single minute of it. And just like news too, you know, I found out that working the morning show was not for me, um, but I enjoyed every single minute of it. It was always exciting for me. When you get to that point, you're sort of, as you progress through life, right, you're going to the next stage. Were you looking for other jobs on campus? Like, I, I think people are always interested in what happens when, when uh, those of us, I mean, all three of us here, let's be honest, we've been in multiple offices on campus, right? Like half of campus we've covered just with us three people here. Were you looking at other positions? Were you interested? How did you go about uh, finding this new role? In my last year as a hall director, I was kind of sensing that burnout a little bit. You know, I, I wasn't doing necessarily all the things I need to do as a hall director for my students, um, for my staff. And so it was one of those that, yeah, you could kind of sense the burnout. It was one of those that I was like, you know, if I don't find another job, I'll be okay another year. Um, I'm comfortable here. Um, That's always kind of the famous last words, right? I'm comfortable doing this. And so I was kind of in the market for another position, but also at the same time, not really. And so in the fall, I had started kind of looking at Southern Missouri. I've always thought that Branson was kind of an attractive place for me in the state, just kind of a different part of the state. And so I was looking at several jobs down in that area, whether that's housing jobs or in a different part of higher education, but nothing, nothing really stuck. I even looked at, there was a chamber position open down in Branson, Missouri um, as a multimedia person. I thought, yeah, maybe I should get back into media too. So I was really kind of open to anything. And then Sue Nickerson, who was in this position before me, um, she announced that she was going to retire. Um, And so the fun part about Sue is her and I were really good friends. We would go to lunch quite often, um, hang out here and there. And so it was kind of fun to see her and her role and see what she does on the day to day. And, you know, she, her and I had lunch one day and she's like, why don't you apply for my job when I leave? And I never really thought about the support staff side. Um, That was not something that was ever really on my radar. And I was like, yeah, you know, it kind of has a good mix of staff and faculty, but also a good mix of students and a good mix of administration. And again, one of those positions you're in the know. And so I thought, yeah, I think I might apply for that. So met with Dr. Baker And Sue had retired on a Friday, and I believe I interviewed the very next week. And then I think a week and a half later, I started that job before the school year ended. And then I was working that role as well as finalizing being a hall director and wrapping out the school year. So if those of you who have worked in housing know that the end of the year is a 
crazy time in housing. Um, so doing both of those jobs was probably not ideal for myself nor my students, but we made it work and we got through it. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of the processing for me. It was not, I wasn't in a hurry to get out of there, but I knew that housing was not, it wasn't the passion that I had had three years ago. The shininess and newness had kind of worn off. Um, the lack of sleep being on call kind of weighing on me. And about that time, I had started dating Shelby and we were getting pretty serious. And I'm like, you know, I don't think I want to live on campus the rest of my life. And, you know, we would like to have our weekends and our evenings together and kind of out of that public spotlight a little bit. And so um, that kind of helped. I think that kind of helped push me um, to move off campus and out of the dorms. Yeah. Kind of pushed me out of the dorms. And yeah, I'd lived in the dorms a total of eight years by that point. Um, so yeah, I had done my tenure. That was two presidential terms. So if they can only live in the white house for eight years, it was time for me to move off campus. So one, one thing I'm always interested in is when students come back to work at the university, kind of seeing that other side. So any advice for students who maybe are thinking that they'd like to work at Northwest and want to come back, like from somebody who's done it and done it successfully. I would always encourage a students. So I had the opportunity and I think the luxury of working elsewhere for three or four months. You know, I graduated, I was able to kind of experience the workforce outside of Northwest, which I think benefited me because I was able to kind of see how does it work in the real world? You know, I, are, I was already familiar with Northwest and I knew all the people, but going through that environment of meeting new people, finding your connections at the job, but then also navigating, you know, what's it like to adult? Of course, it wasn't really adulting. I was living in my parents' basement for those three months, but that's beside the point. But, you know, getting that first big kid paycheck and figuring out, you know, oh, I've got to get my oil changed and, oh, I've got these bills to pay, you know, getting up for work on time and, you know, kind of navigating that. So I would always encourage kind of branch out from Northwest a little bit for a couple of months, kind of see what's out there. But if you think it's a perfect fit to slide in, I think you can easily navigate that. I think a huge benefit to me was I didn't start back at Northwest until September 11th, 2017. So the school year had already begun by the time I got back. And so I had missed all of the student staff training for residential life. I had missed the pro staff training for residential life. I missed those, you know, back to school meetings and all of that stuff. And so something that benefited me was I'd already been here for four years. And so I knew those people. I knew who worked in what department. I knew that if I needed, you know, assistance and, you know, admissions, I could call Jeremy Waldire or if I needed, you know, assistance and athletics, it was a call to Andy Peterson. You know, it was having those relationships that I had already built that helped I think, propel me into that position here on campus. Relationships. You've said that's important to you, right? Any tips or tricks on networking or how do you approach that or how have you thought about that? Networking has always just come easy to me. I've always, you know, if I pass you on the sidewalk, I'm probably going to say, hey, how's it going? How's your day? But then with when I was working with students a lot, it was, you know, getting to know them more, figuring out, you know, I always start my staff meetings with my student staff of, you know, what's your happies and crappies of the week? Kind of tell me what's going on. You know, before we get to this work stuff, tell me about your personal, you know, what's happening and remembering. And I think this training kind of went back as an RA. We were always trained to, you know, when you knock on a door to speak with a student, look, you know, scan the room. 
they're probably going to have a picture of someone that they love in the room. They're probably going to have a flag of a team that they like. Make that a conversation starter. You know, oh, I see you got a cheese flag. You know, tell me, you know, how long you been a cheese fan? Are you from Kansas City? Just starting that small conversation can go a long way. That's something that's helped me in this role as the president's executive assistant, because we deal with a lot of donors. Um, we deal with a lot of alumni. And so those little biography pieces that I can pull out of, you know, I know that Travis worked in admissions for a number of years. So let's talk about admissions. Let's talk about, you know, where our enrollment is right now, um, just to kind of get the conversation going. And then you can end up kind of going into that personal realm of, Tell me about your kids. Tell me about, you know, your spouse or your partner and just building off of that. And I don't I think it's always important that networking is not just a one time action. It's something that is built upon year after year, day after day. And so after you introduce yourself to someone and you get to know them a little bit, but then keeping contact with that person of say on LinkedIn is a huge place to do a lot of networking of They've been promoted. Send them a message. Be like, congrats on the promotion. You know, what are you going to be doing now? Hope all is well. Just a quick personal message that can go a long way. And then that person's going to remember you forever. And then that's something that has always helped me, especially in the media world, that media people know other media people. That's just the way that it works. Same with student affairs. Student affairs people know other student affairs people across the nation. And so by knowing one person, you can easily know. 50 others just by knowing that one other person. And I think just building that relationship, Hannah, you brought up a good point. I have said relationships a lot, but building upon that and setting the groundwork and the foundation is the key piece to that, but then tending to that foundation and building on from there. One thing that I haven't really thought about or conceptualized or articulated maybe is that practice I think networking, people think of a network as a thing, really, but networking itself is just a practice of relating to others, right? Yeah. And it's not that one-time deal. You know, when you think of people that you've networked with, you have talked to them more than one time. You know, I've, I think I can say that I've talked to the governor one time. I wouldn't consider that networking. That was a start of a network. But now we've got that framework that when he comes back to campus or his staff comes back to campus, we can start building on that a little bit more and get to know each other better. That's a valuable skill to have in the president's office, because like you say, you never know who's going to walk through that door. You never know what they're going to want to give you or you to give them. So being able to do that on the fly and be naturally gifted at it is probably a very valuable tool, I would think. That's kind of that adrenaline piece again, right? Like, exciting to go out and meet those new people. I think about a top expert networker. I think of Jill Brown is who I think she is like the top networker to me. Um, and it's just incredible how much information she knows. Mitzi Marchant's another good one that she's got all these little tidbits of information that she feeds Dr. Green and I, you know, we're pre preparing for a football game, you know, who's going to be in the suite with us? Who's, you know, where are these little nuggets of information that I can take with me that I can go, yeah, let's talk to them about this, or this is something that interests me and it also interests them. We've now got a connection. I'm going to sit with you for a couple of minutes during the game and chat with you about that and just get to know you better. So networking, I do think, as Hannah said, it takes practice, but I also think it's one of those that you're never an expert at it. You're always going to have those, you know, one-off relationships that you're like, geez, that didn't go well. Um, but 
building on those mistakes and just continuing to practice and get better. That's, that's where it's at for now. I want to go back real quick to you mentioned living where you work or working where you live, right? When you have this overlap of sort of your environments, can you tell us about how did you take care of yourself? Like, how did you prioritize mental health in that sort of environment where it almost probably feels like you can't really get away from your work? That was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Something that had happened to me early on in my career was we had lost Morgan McCoy during that bar accident um, several years ago. That was the first time that my personal life and my work life had kind of crossed over. I had known Morgan really, really well. Um, She was, you know, she lived in my building as a freshman. And so knew of her, we had went, we were all kind of in the same networks of people. We'd went to formals and we were all at the same place. So that was the first time I'm like, this is getting weird, you know, and navigating how to take a grieving campus and help them through that process while I'm also grieving myself. And it's taking that time and it's going and talking to our counselors at wellness. It's going and chatting with your colleagues because nobody else has a better idea of what you're going through than your colleagues that are in this with you. Like, Nobody else knows the president's office better than Dr. Green himself. And he and I can kind of talk and go, yeah, that didn't go hot. You know, how can we, how can we fix this? And so it's one of those deals of, it kind of goes back to that networking a little bit, Hannah, as far as building those relationships with the people you work with. So you have that support system because during that time, when you feel like you're alone, that's when you need that the most. And I will say like, our counselors at wellness are incredible. You know, they were always really good about Kristen. Can I give you a call? And just, I think she's always counseling, even though she's not counseling, like just talking to her makes you feel better. Just taking that time and going through that grieving process and understanding that this isn't forever, but working through to navigate and getting our students through that, getting yourself through that, but also getting your team through that. And so for me, it was always doing what I love. I love cooking. So it was, as you could probably see, I don't miss a meal typically. So it was one of those deals that I would just go cook, you know, whatever I wanted to do that I enjoyed. It was going out for a walk just to get some fresh air. I'm a streaming services junkie. And so I would always, you know, watch the latest show on Netflix or Hulu and just taking that time for myself. I've never been a big book reader. I've always been envy of those that and just sit down and read a book. I can't. My brain's just going 90 miles an hour. But just doing the things that I enjoy. Love being with family and friends. And so taking that time. Another thing that really helped me um, during that time, and this is going to sound kind of odd, but my parents had gone through a divorce um, my first year back at Northwest as a hall director. My brother was a freshman at Northwest at that time. So having him here during some of these big events, like Morgan passing away or me navigating, you know, this personal line, having him here was incredible. I would never trade that experience for anything. It was so fun to watch his college process. Um, Of course, he worked with Hannah for many years as well. And so watching him grow and prosper just was exciting for me. And that's kind of where I got my energy from is watching him go through that college process that I went through for four years, but also helping him through that. So we would do a lot of dinners at my apartment that he would, you know, bring over a ton of friends and 
we would eat all the fried food we could get our hands on. And that was, that was kind of my unwinding time, um, was just kind of hanging out with him. And, um, in fact, he convinced me to buy a PlayStation. I think it was my second year as a I still don't forgive him for that, but, uh, that was a good move to kind of just put my brain elsewhere. And he would, it was, it's always funny because him and his friends would always bring their TVs over and their PlayStations. It looked like they had robbed a Best Buy when they were coming in. And so, but they would have TVs all over the apartment. And that was just kind of our unwinding time of just hanging out. And I wouldn't even talk about work with them because nine times out of 10, they never even cared about what I was doing on the day to day. But just to see a sense of normalcy and to see what it's like outside of that public eye. It's kind of like when you're in a movie theater and you are wrapped up for two and a half hours and you get out of the movie theater and you're like, what just happened? Being with him and his friends during that time, that was those moments. I will never forget. There was one night he came over, I think at three o'clock in the afternoon and we look at the clock and it's 4 a.m. You know, just those types of moments that are so, so important for mental health and being able to just unplug and unwind and just be yourself because living where you work, you are always on. If that fire alarm goes off, you're immediately evacuating the facility. Even though you're not on call, you're still evacuating the facility. If a student death comes in and you get that call, you're responding to that. So being able to just kind of unplug and relax didn't happen very often. So those small little moments of being able to do that, that is vitally important. And I think those skills have helped me so much in this role um, in the president's office, because it's another one of those jobs that, you know, before I took it, Shelby and I had the conversation of this is going to change both of our lives. You know, we're getting married in 45 days. By the time this comes out, it'll be less than a month. And so it's one of those deals, you know, both of us had to be on board because we knew this was going to change our lives for the year. And, you know, we were going to be in the public spotlight with the Green family and being able to be okay with that but also to be able to go home and say, no, I'm not going to go to that event tonight. I need a break. And understanding that before you get burned out is really important. So being someone who's worked in res life and been around Northwest for a long time, you've worked with a lot of students. What advice would you give students from things you've seen or things maybe you experienced that to make this journey through college and beyond more successful? The number one thing I would tell students is, take a chance. I would not be in any of these career paths that I'm in now if it wasn't for me taking a chance. You know, I took a chance and I tried radio, found out I didn't like it. So I took another chance. I became hall director and did that for four years. Some of the, you know, four of the best years of my life, I would say. And then I took another chance. I thought, oh, why not an office job with Dr. Baker? So I took a chance and did that. And then Dr. Green became interim and I thought, you know, why not take a chance? It's another year of fun. So that would be my overall goal. Get out of your comfort zone, get out of the, and I mentioned this earlier, no, back when I was talking about the hall director position of I'm comfortable here. This feels good here. Get out of that. Sometimes, sometimes you don't realize how done you are with the position until you get out of it. And like I said, I, I never look back and regret that decision at all. I do kind of miss those days of not having to pay for housing and stuff like that. Um, now that we're looking at buying a house and all that fun stuff, it's like, whoa, I, yeah, we may want to move back on campus now. But seeing and just taking the chance on yourself 
But then also, I think another piece of advice is you never know who you are talking to as you pass them on the sidewalk. Stop and talk with them because that person may change your life. I was able to, so when I worked in news, I worked with Dr. Green a lot being that reporter for university police. I'll never forget quick story and then I'll get back to your question. Sorry. One of our stories that I was working on was we had an armed robbery that took place on campus. I had a great relationship with Dr. Green. He, you know, we would text each other back and forth of, Hey, I know this is happening. Can I get an interview with you? That had taken place. I was going to do an interview with him that afternoon on this possible armed robbery that took place on campus. He calls me and he goes, well, Woods, your story's going to be changing. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, that happens a lot in news. You just kind of go with the flow. So I get out there to do the interview, come to find out the student had made up the story of him being in an armed robbery. And that student ended up getting charged for creating a false report to police. So having that relationship with him built onto where I am now, because then as a hall director, he and I already knew each other. I became their liaison. We would work countless hours and nights together getting to know each other, but then also working those tough situations together. That was key for us. You know, we worked some really hard things together and this really built that relationship and that network because now, now that he's in the president's seat, this has been really easy for us. We didn't have to do any of that relationship building that had taken place over eight years. And so now that we have that done and it's in place. We've hit the ground running here in the president's office. And it's like we never missed an evening of chatting with each other, you know. And so that would be another piece of advice that I would give is get to know those people that you don't think you would ever be able to chat with. You know, Dr. Green, when I was a freshman, he was up giving presentations during SOAR and you're like, he's a cool dude. Never thought that I would have a personal relationship with him, you know, eight years later, nine years later, if it wouldn't have been for me taking a chance and interviewing him with KNWT and building that relationship within our liaison position, I don't think I would be in the seat that I'm in today as his assistant because we wouldn't have had that relationship and we would not be where we are today kind of going back on that liaison position, it kind of goes back to networking too. A little bit of advice is we would have our monthly liaison meetings where, and if you've ever met with Dr. Green, you've got about 10 minutes of business and the rest of the hour, hour and a half is probably just going to be shooting the crap. We call it a different word, but I won't use it on the podcast, but getting to know each other and hanging out and, you know, just being in each other's lives and just, talking about what's happening in the world. I think that's key to networking. That's the advice I would give to somebody is if you're in a meeting, take those five, 10, 15, 20 minutes just to get to know the people around the room. Yes, business is important, but those relationships, a lot of times is going to make business a lot easier if you've got that relationship built. That would be my advice to incoming students or outgoing students that take a chance and build those relationships with people around campus and around the network. You're sowing little seeds of trust, right? In your life. And then trust is really, you know, when we talk about having a network, that trust is what holds it all together, right? So you built up that trust over so many years of working closely through those situations. Yeah. And I won't say that he and I have ever had rough times that, I mean, everybody has that, you know, there's been times that 
he's called and why in the world did we do that? Let's not do that again. You know, and we've had those hard conversations, but Clarence is also one. And I think this is just a personality trait for him. We can have a knockdown drag out for 20 minutes. And after that, we'll go get lunch together. That's just the way the world works. And a lot of people function that way. They don't hold grudges. If you're willing to have the hard conversations, that relationship building, that's going to be the easy part. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. That's a great soundbite to end on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly. Guys, I appreciate it. This was great. I could talk another hour and a half. Too, so. <laughs> well, we'll get you back on. We'll do a follow-up episode once we're... You can do it with Justin. We'll have a Justin yeah, and a Jacob, right? Yeah, that'd be great. Love that. <laughs> All right. Take us home, Travis. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>